Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. We certainly do. Welcome to Mark and Sarah talk about songs, episode one hundred and four. Um, Whoa, if that were our temperature, we'd have to go to the I hospital. Know, we really should. Um, and the singer of our selection today should maybe go to a hospital for different reasons. That was an absolutely wretched segue. Although, listeners, we do encourage you to seek help if you're in emotional pain. Um, I am Sarah D. Bunting. I am your co-host. I am here, as always, with the uh, inimitable Mark Blankenship, who is going to tell us what we are listening to. All right. Well, today, so a few weeks ago now, I polled the Patreon patrons because I knew for this episode, which was my responsibility, it was my turn to bring a song to the table. I knew I wanted to talk about a grunge band. I knew that Nirvana would eventually be getting its own episode. So I wanted to take them off the table, but I wanted to poll the listeners and say, which of these other grunge bands should we talk about? And so the Patreon patrons spoke and the, the winning band of the choices included Hole, Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, Stone Temple Pilots, and in a bit of a, uh, of a bloops, we added, we added Candlebox on there. That was, <laughs> that was my request. And look, it was, <laughs> any and excuse to refer to, uh, to that Mark Yarm oral history, seriously, any excuse at all. Um, Candlebox awesomely got 0% of the vote. <laughs> I'm surprised it was that high. But everybody else, yeah, like, did it get negative votes? But all of the other bands actually were really, really close. But by one vote, Smashing Pumpkins won. And so then I thought, great, very interesting. And then I thought, well, which Smashing Pumpkins song would I like to talk about? And I chose the second single and, in many ways, the breakthrough hit from their second album, Siamese Dream, this is today. So to continue, Sarah, a light motif of our recent episodes, which uh, might be called the mystery of our own tastes, <laughs> I don't know if this will surprise you, but I fucking love Smashing Pumpkins. I love their music. And I'm, I, I don't know if it will surprise you, but I say that because it has kind of always surprised me. I, I totally understand that if you were to stack up all of the songs that I love, you would never guess that I would love this band as much as I do. Although I also really do like certain Pearl Jam songs. I really like certain Stone Temple Pilot songs. God knows I'm here for a lot of the whole songs. But for whatever reason, Smashing Pumpkins in their prime, the Gish, Siamese Dream, P- 
Pisces, Iscariot, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness adore run of albums in the 90s. I fucking love them. And I just, there's something about them that is so melodically beautiful and yet also covered over with all of this fuzz and grunge and i don't mean grunge in the 90s music sense i mean grunge like you feel like there's actual dirt on the strings of the yeah, guitar like there's just something it's a grimy sound yeah. yeah there's just something about that that i have always been so entranced by and i know for a fact that billy corgan is the type of person that i would probably not need to hang out with he has also been very overt about discussing his constant battles with his band members his battles with various addictions with various types of uh, mental illness like, he's definitely emblematic of the type of uh, yowling existential pain that we relate to the grunge era. But for whatever reason, I find this music so exhilarating. And I was, I still do. And the reason that I am excited to speak about the song today is because this song to me is so pretty. And I find it really quite emotionally uplifting, despite the fact that Billy Corgan has said on more than one occasion that this is a song about how he was feeling incredibly depressed and suicidal and that it isn't about today being the greatest day. I have always heard it as I was in a place where these pink ribbon scars on my arms remind me that I was almost in the darkness, but I made it out. And now today is the greatest day because I made it. Like I might not make it to tomorrow, but I made it to today. And there's a certain like bruised hope that I find in this song. And yeah. I don't really care if Billy Corgan doesn't agree with me. I don't care, Billy. This is how I feel about it. So... There's just something about that sense of emotional connection I get to the song. And I mixed with the beautiful melodies, mixed with what I find to be Billy Corgan's really fascinating vocals that makes Smashing Pumpkins a band that I quite like. Uh, so, yeah, Sarah, those are my intro thoughts. I don't think I could even name another song by Smashing Pumpkins. Like, I'm sure I could. I could name, like, their albums. But I think... By the time they were really like releasing a lot of stuff, like I, I think I had grunge fatigue and sort of mm. fell away from them and that whole sound, which is so unfortunate because there is a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I came to some Stone Temple Pilots songs much later, but there there definitely was a little bit of like fatigue with this whole sound. However, this song. Um, Stylus's Brett Hickman noted that uh, this song is a sad example of, quote, the power that radio and MTV have in ruining a great song um, because they just, like, beat it to death airplay-wise. Um, but I hadn't heard it in a while, and this is a real triumph of um, layered songwriting and performance mm. because first of all that that like melodically and especially that do 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 like that guitar God, line yes. is like the it is about triumphant emergence like you were just talking mm -hmm. about from a dark tunnel emotionally even though I think Billy Corgan would be like actually it's about the relief you feel in deciding to kill yourself uh I think that sound and the contrast with what the lyric is literally telling you and the way that Billy Corgan has explained it in the past is, um, is great. Like it's per, it's a perfect balance of not even ironic. It's just like, 
this is the mask that this song is going to wear. And then there's also the alternating of Corgan's voice in performance between that very sweet, hopeful sound and that grimy, um, crawling on the floor, angry, beaten down sound um, closer to like in the chorus and in parts of the bridge that are close to the choruses. So there's like, you know, you're so you're switching between tracks, as it were, on two levels that you have like this. This is the greatest day. Yay. Let's get some ice cream and go for a ride in a convertible with the top down of the sound and the everything's terrible. Goodbye of the lyric. And then you have the switching between that that beautiful melody and that like growl of despair so right. you're switching back and forth between that in your ear as he's singing it. Um, and no, this doesn't sound fresh now. This song fucking came out 25 years ago. So, and you know, and it definitely sounds like it did. Yeah, And it definitely sounds like it did, but it's also it like, it knows what it s- sets out to do. It does that. And then it ends. Like we just talked last week about a song that was, also you know a narrative but took five minutes longer to get to its end and had acts and there was like you know scenery changing and stuff like that um so this is a very economical song and then there's still a third level where uh, i think at listening to it in 2018 there are two things happening at once there's the whole like point of grunge which is um i don't know really how to put this but like the that it's like unpretty and too loud and like not Mm. entirely finished uh at times is kind of the point of it thus the name of the genre but this is also quite polished and controlled in a way that like I think my all-time favorite grunge song is probably Nirvana's "Rape Me," mm. um, because there is that is also quite controlled. But the only way that Kurt Cobain can control his rage is to end the song in like two minutes. <laughs> Otherwise, I right. think he would have just literally exploded. Uh, so this does sound, you know, grunge sort of went through that evolution that I think all like outsider pop genres go through where um, it gets like defanged a little bit on the way to radio. Um, And you can see that a little bit here, but I think this is right. This is right on the line. Like Mm. even a little more polish would have been like, but any less and you don't appreciate the, emotional and technical control that is being shown in the songwriting and the performance. So yeah, this is a great song and it's like a very sort of probably teachable song. <laughs> if you're majoring in like music technology, I don't know. I think it's, I think. It's yeah. Great. I think that you're right on with this. It, it is, it perfectly rides the line between polish and imperfection. And it makes you feel the tension of all of that in the listening, which is so true. And uh, if you don't know it, which maybe you don't based on what you just said, I would encourage you to seek out a song of theirs called Bullet with Butterfly Wings, 
which was the lead single from their next album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Because that is a song that is so much louder and angrier, but if you listen to it, it is also equally controlled. And there is actual screaming in that song, and the the chorus of the song is, Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. I mean, it's really, like, aggressively angsty, but then... It is so melodically tight, and the build of the song is so controlled, and it's it's one of the reasons I just really like this band is because you know if if true anarchic punk is not is about not really knowing how to play your instruments and whatever, and like you're just kind of screaming and having a release, songs like this and bands like this, um, they're about channeling the same feeling but finding power in constructing art out of it. And like the construction itself is part of the expression because that's the way that you get control over the feelings. As you release them, you release them in just the way you want. And Yeah, it's modulated instead of just being like, you know, jumping around and screaming, which like there's definitely a place for that. But there's also a place for, I mean, like a crescendo is more satisfying. Yes, and I can remember Billy Corgan being vocally frustrated that there would be a lot of people moshing at Smashing Smashing Pumpkins concerts. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Even on their slower songs, and I totally, it makes sense to me because moshing is just about going crazy and having a release, and this music is not about that. Yeah, but on the other hand, I don't know. Like, there's something about... uh, But then again, well, sorry to just interrupt... Of course, the music isn't about that. But as I said earlier, it doesn't actually matter what Billy Corgan thinks today is about. It's what I think it's about when I'm listening to it. Well, so that's what I was just about just to go mosh, back to, actually, is that there's, you know, the concept that like a play is not finished until it's been on the stage and until it's been seen as well as read. Right, right. Uh, and I've always thought that like when I used to be in poetry workshop in university, and uh, someone be like, well, and I'm getting this from what you're saying. Uh, you know, was that your intent? And I'd be like, no. And like, oh, well, I guess it doesn't mean that. Like, no, it does. Whatever you think it means, it can mean. Like, right. unless you're factually incorrect on like where a place name is referring to or something like that. And right. even then, I feel like anything that an artist makes is not necessarily complete until it has been received. Right. So right. I think that Billy Corgan is obviously not incorrect about his own songwriting, although this person is a swine flu truther, so maybe not in the best position to assess his own work comparatively. Oh, he is? Oh, Yeah, he says that it was the Obama administration that like created it. Oh my God! See, I mean, I, he's not a he's not a well guy all the time. So, yeah, the less I know about that, the better. Probably. Yeah, like I I don't feel that this will bring you any joy to read up on some of his um, beliefs. Anyway, here's the point: he, you know, he has his intent in writing the song, and he's like, as I was writing it, here is what I intended. But then, if we're getting something different from it. That's still legit. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it's yes. that same principle as like, you know, if you're if what you receive is different from what was intended, 
then happy accident and you can both be correct and then it can be both things and it's an interesting irony or an interesting uh paradox that an artist has to live in where you want to control the thing that you're creating while you're creating it but then when you have released it you must also release the sense of control yes now that you've made the thing to your own specs you have to now accept that people might hear it and think about it in a way that you never intended and that that is okay yeah like um what's that Jimi hendrix song about um the fire and he's he was singing to his landlady's dog or something like that right because it wouldn't it wouldn't move over and it's and people are like no 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 it's definitely like a song about sex i'm like but he tells rover to move over <laughs> like it i'm pretty sure it is actually about the dog and you know i feel but like there's why also can't it a- be both like you know what who's it hurting for it to be about both nobody there are so many uh smarmy stories on the internet where people are like you've been an idiot all along because you didn't know that this thing you like is actually about this yeah and and it's like well okay it is actually about all of those things and the space for interpretation is what makes art exciting because then an art object eventually lives on its own released from its creator oh which then gets us into the whole question of like art that's made by people who do reprehensible things, which I just don't have the strength. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is not Mark and Sarah adjudicate crimes against humanity yet. But in the, in the instances of eventually song, we'll uh, run out of songs and then we're going to get into some crimes. Yeah, ex- exactly. But I do think it's just interesting to think about that. The responses that we have to art and the way that they, that pieces of art make us feel and the things that they make us think about, those are all valid. There is no such thing as the correct interpretation. And that's one of the reasons that it's fun to talk about this on this podcast. That's why we love hearing from you, listeners, because everybody's correct so long as they believe what they're saying in with regard to this. Don't don't quote me. At that, that's not true with, like, Trump or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and some of the songs that he has adopted for his campaign events are like, oh, man, you got to ruin it for the rest of us. I guess, yeah, at the, at the risk of climbing too far up my own butt, which is too late, possibly. The, the, the simplest point. You can dump on my dump face. On my face <laughs> right on my face. It's never going away, the listeners. Sim- Sorry. The simplest point, or simplest way of expressing the point I'm trying to make is just, if you feel passionately about an artwork and it, and it brings you joy or enthusiasm even if the creator didn't intend for you to receive it that way, don't feel like you can't receive it that way. Embrace and understand and articulate your joy and know that the art supports that just as much as it supports something else. Yeah. I mean, and obviously we're not talking about like, you know, I played this record backwards and it told me to commit crimes. Like that's not a right, that's not a right interpretation and you should go talk to somebody. Right. That's true. Immediately at a hospital. But um, yeah, like I think that, that was always one of the that's always one of the fun parts for me about um writing and uh creating things for the internet where you you are very much closer than you used to be 25 years ago to how your how your product let's say is being received and interpreted and I think that's cool because I love to flip over even my own tapestry and see and look at the knots and be like, no, but see how I did this. 
And other people will be like, but no, that's obviously a unicorn. And I'm like, well, I was going for a star, but I like unicorn better. Let's just move this. So I like that. I like that process of not just picking apart. And well, that's too negative, but not just analyzing, let's say, other people's product, TV, books, whatever. But having it done to my own, I I mean... I can see how that would be frustrating for a, uh, let's say, sensitive soul like Billy Corgan, who was perhaps not built for the immediacy of interpretation provided by uh, the old intertubes. Um, But I think it's keen and it has um, allowed this podcast to be physically and uh, and uh, figuratively. So, yeah, it's cool. Today is the greatest day. It's goddamn right. Ever known. It's a little bonus clip for you there from my own mouth. <laughs> I am the girl you know can't look you in the eye. I am the girl you know so sick I cannot try. I- Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.